Well, I hope you all had a fantastic Thanksgiving, uh, time with your family, uh, time to eat a lot of good food. So I thought this weekend I would preach on gluttony. No, I'm just kidding. Even I'm not that hypocritical. Now, what we're talking about is 276. 276 times, that's the number of times that God is called Father in the Bible. And if you were here last week, you heard Ashley teach us that of those 276 times, you know how many are in the Old Testament? Now, that's the bigger part of the Bible, the first half. It's actually only three times. And it's not describing God as your personal father, but as like the father of the nation. He doesn't get to be your personal father until the New Testament. And it was only because of Jesus Christ. The vast majority of the uses of God as father come straight from Jesus himself. He's the only one that can introduce that kind of personal connection to your heavenly father. So that's what we're talking about. And the reason this is particularly important to me is because I I think through the Bible talking about as Christians were adopted by God. And my son has adopted my grandson. It's it's been an interesting journey for us all to see the love of my son and and his wife. Adopted a little guy by the name of Dominic. And I I gotta tell you, we love him. He is part of our family. In fact, this is a picture of Dominic right here. Right? I mean, come on, how could you not love Dominic? But what we know about children who are adopted is that they often have attachment disorder. Now, Dominic doesn't have it yet and may never have it, but attachment disorder is when a young child is abused, abandoned, or neglected. It makes them cautious about making connections with other human beings. So here's some of the symptoms of children with attachment disorder. Number one, they have difficulty receiving or showing affection. Again, that's not Dominic yet, but it it could be in his teenage years or his adult years. I mean, it's going to be pretty obvious to him that he was adopted. It's not biological. The second characteristic is that they have strained relationships because they struggle with trust. And you would too if you were abandoned, neglected, or uh, ignored as a child. Some of you know exactly what that feels like. The third characteristic is they use isolation or anger to push people away. Now, why would you push people away if, you, if you've been pushed away? Why would you push other people away? Because they don't feel worthy of being loved, so they fear rejection. Now, this is a description of what happens through attachment disorder. Now, <clears throat> for us, Because we're not looking at it through Dominic's eyes. I'm looking at it through my son's eyes. He chose Dominic. And he has two biological girls. He had no choice about them. I mean, when they came out of the chute, that's what you got. There's no 90-day return policy on those ones. But for Dominic, he was... Now, why... Let's say some years down the road. And some of you, you've lived through this. You know better than I do. That sometime down the road, you begin to think, well, why... Why did my biological mother, my biological father, reject me or abandon me? Why did they abuse me? And you give weight to the voice of the one who rejected you over the voice of the one who accepted you. From my perspective, it makes no sense. I mean, Josh chose Dominic. Why would Dominic choose to listen to the voice of someone who rejected or abandoned him? 
And it just re- it reminds me of this song that came out just this year. It's a country western song by L.V. Shane called My Boy. And he expresses in this song what so many of you have felt as stepfathers or stepparents of adopted fathers and mothers. I want you to listen to just a 30-second clip of this song, My Boy. He ain't my blood, ain't got my name, but if he did, I'd feel the same. I wasn't there for his first steps, but I ain't missed a ball game yet. That ain't ever gonna change I could never walk away Yeah, he's my son and that's my choice He ain't my blood, but he's my He's my boy He ain't my son, but he's my choice He ain't my blood, but he's my boy What if you could hear God say that about you? I don't think it's unnatural or unusual for people to have difficulty with this concept that Jesus gave us that God is the Father. In fact, most of the people in the church, you, me, struggle with this. I'll just be honest with you. This idea that God is my personal heavenly Father by adoption, I'm not sure I'm there yet. And you might think, well, yeah, but you, you, you preach at the church and you're on staff and like being a pastor is your life. It is, it is. But here's the secret you may not know. It's true of a lot of pastors. Sometimes I serve not because God is my father, but because I'm trying to earn God as my father. If I just preach the right sermon, if I just do enough good things, then surely I'll be worthy of being his son. But it doesn't work like that. And you know it doesn't work like that. We have, in our church as well as every other church in America, this spiritual difficulty of attachment disorder. And so much of the time it goes undiagnosed. So I want to help you diagnose if you might have even a little bit of spiritual attachment disorder. Applying the same criteria as biological attachment disorder, here's what you will find. Number one, Difficulty with worship. You come into a place like this and people are singing to God and it feels like everyone is connecting to God but you. Now that's not true, but it feels like that. And you're wondering, why why don't the songs move me in the same way? Why doesn't the message move me in the same way? You might have spiritual attachment disorder. Here's a second diagnosis. You struggle trusting God. This shows up most in your prayer life. If you look at what you pray for, how often you pray, how long you pray, and you realize, I, I'm not sure I trust God. Can I really pray about my marriage? Can I really pray about my kids? Like, can I really trust God for my future? If your prayers are distanced from God, you may have spiritual attachment disorder. Third is, often people avoid groups so they don't become vulnerable. Sound familiar? And you might say, well, I just don't want to, that group's just not for me. But inside you're going, if I, if I connect to the group, I, I don't know that I want to be vulnerable with them. You know why we push away groups? It's because the fourth characteristic, we don't feel worthy or we fear rejection. Like I've experienced rejection in, in my life, so why would I go to a group where I could just open myself up to another rejection? All of this indicates a difficulty with attachment disorder spiritually with God. So let me just ask you, is this you? 
Do you have even a little bit a spiritual attachment disorder? Well, the good news is there's the solution. And some of you who have adopted a child or fostered a child or raised someone else's child, you, you get this. You, if a child is having difficulty attaching themselves emotionally, you take them to a counselor and you get them to listen to a different voice. You write a new script. And instead of believing about yourself what everyone else says about you, you believe what the adopted parent or mentor or coach says about you. And you can write a new script. In fact, I'm going to give you the script. This whole message is about you writing a new script so that you can see God as your personal father. And I need it as much as any of us. Here's the script, and it's straight from the Bible. Number one, I am worthy of being loved even with my faults. Do you have sin, failure, fault? Of course you do. We, we all do. But, but if you believe that your faults are going to make you unlovable to God, that's an indication of spiritual attachment disorder. Number two, I am so valuable that God sacrificed his own son for my failures. Of course we have failures. But that problem has been solved, not by you, by Jesus himself. God gave his own son so that you could become his child. Third, I am important to others and can make their lives better. This is the script that a child of God knows by heart and feels in his heart or her heart. For me, this isn't just theory. It's not just theology. This is real life. And I wanna read three passages of scripture that will under, like, give support to this three-part script for you. But before I read scripture, before we go into an ancient text, I'm gonna tell you a very current and hopefully an, an applicable practical story for you. It's about Nicole, who has had not only biological attachment disorder, but spiritual attachment disorder. Here's her story. I would say my story is full of so many ups and downs. You know, I found out I was adopted when I was eight years old, and a woman that I thought was my aunt was really my biological mom, and the cousins that I thought I had were actually my siblings. I don't know much about my biological dad. I do know his first and last name. I've never seen a picture of him or really know anything other than he left me. And they said after I was born that he did try to go to court and fight for me, but my birth mom wouldn't let him and kind of ran him off after that. And I never searched for him because I felt like if he truly loved me, if he knew I was out there, why would he not come find me? Um, after I found out I was adopted, which was about eight years old, my adopted dad was diagnosed with stage four cancer, and they gave him a prognosis of six months to a year, and it actually escalated really quickly. He died three months to the day that he was diagnosed. And I felt like if God was truly this amazing, loving father, why would he take away not only my birth dad, but the dad who chose to call me his own? Why would he take away two dads from me? Growing up, I felt like God was absent. 
that he was there somewhere, but not with me. And I really thought of him just like my earthly dad, where sure, he knew who I was, but he wasn't part of my life. People would tell me, well, you're just gonna end up just like your birth mom. You're gonna be out on the streets like her. You're gonna end up in jail. You're gonna do X, Y, and Z. They kept telling me who I was gonna be. So I said, fine, I'll be the Nicole that you say that I am. And I completely ran from God. And I did everything I could to show them how unworthy I was. And it wasn't until after high school, after I had gone a, down a really dark path and I had had my daughter, where I really realized God was loving the whole time and he knew, he knew I needed him and he was always there, but he was waiting for me to realize it. And now as an adult, I have never felt closer. I feel so loved and cared for and cherished that I want everybody to feel that love that I feel. And one of the coolest things that I remember is, it's probably about five years ago, I was sitting in a Bible study, sharing a little bit of my story with the ladies that were in my tea group, and we were actually talking about adoption. And I hadn't told that many people that I was adopted yet, and I was sharing with those ladies, there was this really cool portion where it was talking about how when you're adopted by God into his family and you're called his daughter, that you take on his name and everything in your past is wiped away. And I just sat there and just kind of thought, wow, there is literally nothing I have done in my past that he hasn't forgiven me for. There is nothing I did that he won't say, that's my daughter. I love her and she is my own. It was one of the coolest moments I have ever experienced. Any, anyone relate to that? That could be your story of going from attachment disorder to feeling loved and valued and cherished by your heavenly father, but it's gonna require you writing a new script and listening to a different voice, not the voice that's behind you, but the voice that's above you. So let me make this as simple as possible. I'm basically, this whole sermon is in one sentence. All of us are God's children by nature. Christians are God's children through adoption. And the difference is that when you're adopted by God, you're part of his will. And so I want to read three scriptures that help us understand that. Let's just start with us up here. All of us are God's children by nature. Reminds me of a passage in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is in the New Testament. It's the, kind of the history book taking us through the first 40 years of the church from AD 30 to AD 70. And the Apostle Paul has been preaching in all the major centers of the Roman world. He was in the political center of Rome, the commercial center of Corinth. He was in the religious center of Ephesus. And in this passage, he's in the educational center of Athens. He, he's been preaching in the marketplace, and everyone's gathering around listening, and they go, we haven't heard anything like this. Athens of the day was the most prominent university. And all the greatest scholars, there were 50 of them that could join this club called the Areopagus. 
And so they take Paul and go, hey, we need to have a private consult with you. And they take him, it was an outdoor meeting, but it was on top of this hill called the Areopagus. I, I love this place. It stands in the shadow of the Parthenon on the Acropolis. It is a place of power. On this hill walked Socrates and Aristotle and Plato and Alexander the Great. All the biggies had been there, and now Paul is standing there. It would be like if someone escorted me to the faculty meeting of Stanford so that I could preach to the intellectual elites of the day. I would wet myself. And Paul is, is preaching this message. I want you to hear what he says in their language on their terms. Verse 26, from one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this, he says, so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. Now, what Paul said so far made sense, that they recognized God was the father of the world, the creator of the world, but this, he's not far from any of us, that made no sense to them. And so Paul tries to prove it, not with scripture from the Bible, because they don't know the Bible. He quoted the Greeks' scriptures, which was their philosophical poets. The next verse says, for in him we live and move and have our being. That's a quote from Epimenides. And some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. That's from the poet Aratas. And what Paul is saying is, you know, you know that God is the creator, but that creator is also near. I think even if this is your very first time at CCV, or maybe your first time at church ever, you know that you've had an encounter with God. Might have been on the top of a mountain, or on the edge of an ocean, at the birth of a child, or in the middle of a thunderstorm, but you have sensed God. You, you don't know who he is, because all you're getting in nature is his fingerprints. You've not seen his face, but you have the sense that if somehow I could draw near to this God, I could know him because I'm his creation. That's what it means to be a child of God by nature. But what Jesus offered is so much more. When he began describing God as the father, not of the nation, but your dad, your heavenly father by adoption, that changed everything. And I want to show you a second passage that to me is so important. If you're going to understand, if you're going to rewrite a new script, you need to understand that before you ever sought God, he sought you. You think you're at church right now or maybe watching online because you had this thought, I need to know God. Guess what? He pursued you long before you ever pursued him. This is from the lips of Jesus, John chapter 6. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up on the last day. And just four verses later, he says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up on the last day. This actually reminds me of dating. Uh, I was a college professor for two decades, and so I watched a lot of young men uh, and young women fall in love. And normally the guys uh, kind of puff out their chest and go, yeah, I, 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 got, I got her. I, I pursued her. Son, she pursued you long before you pursued her. 
Now, this is not always true, but I watched it so many times. The, the guy is just oblivious, and she sees him from across the classroom and goes, oh, me likey. And then she begins to study him, to pursue him, to hunt him. <laughs> Ladies, we're on to you. And she goes into her arsenal, which is her bathroom. And she begins to pull out these weapons. She puts on the makeup and she dresses to the nines and she sprays on that smell good stuff. And then she, she knows his class schedule and just kind of positions herself where she knows he will pass. <laughs> Guilty. Oh, hi. I didn't know you would be here. You liar. And he just falls into it like a lemming and goes, yeah, I, I got her. I, I pursued her. Yeah, son, good luck with that. And some of us think we pursued God. Before you were born, he made your fingerprints. Before you could walk, he was speaking words of truth into your heart. He's been pursuing you all your life. And sometimes when we feel this distance between us and God, we think, God is so far away. What if the distance between you and God is on your side of the fence, not his? What if you're the one that backed away because of spiritual attachment disorder and God has been pursuing you relentlessly? All of us are children of God by nature. Christians are children of God through adoption. Five different times in the New Testament, it describes our relationship with God as being adopted by God. It's an interesting Greek word. It's actually two words bumped up next to each other. The words are son and put, place, or lay. God takes the title son, the title daughter, and he puts it on you. It's God who says, you are my daughter. You are my son. It is his decision to adopt you. And regardless of what voices have spoken to you in your past, regardless of what voices are around you right now, the voice of your father above you says, I choose you. Your faults, your failures, they are no barrier because I've sent my son to die for you so that we could be close to one another. And if you can receive it, then you can be adopted by God. How does that work? Here's our third passage, Romans chapter eight. We're gonna begin reading in verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So let me unpack this a little bit because the way you become adopted is by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. And around here, we, well, we're just doing what the Bible tells us to do to get baptized into Jesus. So you decide, okay, I'm going to give God my life. I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ. And you enact that in front of other people to see by being buried in water. It's a symbolic burial. Jesus died and was put in the ground. You're, you're, you die and you're put in water. And then as Jesus was raised from the dead, so you're raised. And it's not your life anymore. It's Jesus' life in you. And the millisecond you put your faith in Jesus, God puts his spirit on you. And he calls that in the Bible actually the seal, where you are sealed by God. And it's not like a Tupperware seal, it's a signet ring. You ever seen one of these? 
has an inverse image on the ring. And if you're sending a document and you want to put your authority on the document, you close up the scroll, you drop some wet wax, and before it dries, you imprint the wax with your signet ring. That's precisely what God did with you. So everyone who sees that scroll knows it belongs to the one who owns the ring. And you belong to the one who sealed you through his spirit. That's how you become adopted into Jesus Christ by the Father. And here's the result, verse 15. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. That's spiritual attachment disorder. So if you're afraid that God is going to reject you, if you're afraid that you're not gonna meet God's standards, if you're afraid that other people are gonna judge you, that's spiritual attachment disorder. The spirit in you, the one who has marked you and sealed you, this is a legal document. This is a legal adoption through the blood of Jesus. That one gives you a spirit that you have no need to fear anymore. He goes on to say, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Ashley taught us last week that this word Abba is an Aramaic term that means dad. He's not the father of the nation. He's your father. And what do you suppose the heart of God does when you call out to him, Abba? I'm not going to play any more of L.V. Shane's song, but I do want to read you my favorite line. I want you to listen to this as if it was God speaking to you. It says, it hit me like a train the first time he called me dad. In a three-stick figure crayon picture with all of us holding hands. His mama said, I understand if it's too soon for this. I didn't let her finish. I took it to the kitchen and I stuck it on the fridge. I don't know if God has a refrigerator in his throne room. But if he does, he's got your picture on it. God doesn't just want to be a father of the church or a father of the world. He wants to be your dad. And God knows you need it. For some of you, this, this cuts pretty close to home because you, you have been abandoned or abused or neglected. And it's more than you could imagine that God would love you. But if you can hear the voice of your father above you, it will drown out the voices of those behind you. And you can write a different script. And this script isn't just different for you. It's different for the people that you will have influence over. You see, the third part of our new narrative is that you are important to other people. And they are depending on you to be at your best. And you will become your best when you know you're loved and you know you're adopted. We've only told you half of Nicole's story. Nicole is actually one of our pastors on staff on our East Valley campus. And she's working with students, and I want you to hear how that happened. I was the assistant director of a preschool at the time, and I was pregnant with our third child and decided to stay home after that for a little while. And I quit my job and stayed home with the kids. 
and that's when I got into ministry. I actually started to volunteer in the front office and I was good at that, so they hired me as an admin and I figured that was my role. I was good at being an admin. I knew how to file papers. I knew how to process and do the work and God had other plans for me. And that's when um, a position opened for a kids pastor and the campus pastor at that time had said, hey, you've worked with kids, like why don't you think of moving into a pastoral role? Moved over to ministry in the kids area and I was there for about two and a half years and then I started serving as a student coach and that just, oh, I could feel it. I felt a fire inside and I moved from kids ministry to be a student pastor and that's where I'm currently at now and I am loving it. Everything I had been through in my life with my adoption, my adopted dad dying, he knew I needed to experience all of those valleys and all of those pits so that I would have the experience and the thick skin to be able to walk students through those very dark and real things in their life now. I think with my life experience, it's been really rewarding for me to be able to share with students, especially in this day and age where they're constantly barraged with the world telling them who they are or the world telling them what their identity should be. And I know what it's like to walk around with that label that somebody else has given you. And it's so cool to sit down across from a student, having coffee with them and telling them to rip that label off that somebody else has given them and to put on the label that God gave them. And that is a child of God.
guys saying that like you really mean it. I know this is a tough message for a lot of people because it brings up uh, memories of the past of abuse and neglect. Some of you had a dad that you don't even know who he was. Some of you know too much of what he was. Some of you, he came home every night but wasn't really home. I think, I think most of us have some level of father wound but if you've been wounded by your father, the deeper the wound, the greater the need to connect with God, your, perfectly, your perfect heavenly father, and you can. You can write a new script. Uh, last week, Ashley encouraged us as a challenge to begin praying with this word, to begin every prayer, Father. I want you to keep doing that. But this week, I wanna challenge you to add something to it, to actually begin reading these passages that we've had in this message. Reread these passages until you rewrite your script. Now, I'm gonna close with, with the fourth passage. And you're not done with this challenge until you can read and believe and claim this truth. This is, this is our closing prayer for today. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world doesn't know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Amen. Let's go out and make Jesus famous. <laughs>